0: I don't know how it is for you, but reminders for me are a good thing. We have a little water cooler that sits beside the door, and it's kind of nice because it has a flat surface on the top of it. And anything that I need to remember to bring to the church, I always put there. Because, you know, it's awful to walk this far and then get here and have to walk all the way back home. So I need those reminders to Be reminded, if there's something I need to bring over, I I place there. If there's something that I need to bring over and it's too big for the water cooler, then I'll put it on top of my keys. Uh, Unfortunately, too often I move it off of my keys and grab my keys and come over without the item. But anyway, there's an effort there because I do need those reminders. My sister-in-law for Christmas bought me a daily planner, a daily planner for pastors. And it has so many little cool lines and different things in it. And boy, as I write those things out, it's good for me and it's helpful. I just have to remember to look at it. But everything is right there for me. And it's been so handy, those little reminders. This morning, we once again find ourselves in Genesis 3, verses 14 through 19. And I know there are a number of you that can't wait so we get beyond verse 19. Because we've really slowed down to a snail's pace here in our journey through Genesis, making our way through this. And, and this passage has been holding us here for the last three weeks. But as we come to this section, God is handing out a number of curses. And we've been looking at those. And these curses serve as reminders to us of the fall of of Adam and as we live everyday life we see evidence of these curses and it should be an everyday reminder of the fall of Adam now open your Bibles if it doesn't fall there already on its own to Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 and as you find Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 stand with me if you will I'll read it aloud, and you can follow along with me in your copy of the Scriptures. Genesis 3, verse 14, reads this way The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Great God in heaven, we're thankful. We're thankful this morning for your word and We're thankful, Father, this morning for the book of Genesis. It's in the book of Genesis that we find the answers to so many things we face every day. And this morning is no different. I pray, Father, as we look into Your Word this morning, that Your Word would look into us. I pray that our eyes would be opened, that our ears would be unstopped, and we would take in what You have for us today. So I pray, Father, that You would feed us, that You would nourish us, and that we would hear from You. Lord, I don't know why. I don't know why You use the preaching of Your Word as a way of instructing us. But, Father, as we're here this morning, we seek that instruction. So, Lord, we pray that through the instruction today of Your Word that it might be an opportunity for us to grow in our understanding, grow in our walk with You, And so, Lord, use this morning in a great way. Just take my mind and my heart and my tongue and allow me to share what you'd have us to hear. Nothing more, but certainly nothing less either. And it's in your Son's name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at these verses this morning and as we've looked at this last couple weeks here, we see that God began handing out these curses in the opposite order that the blame game unfolded. Remember that God came to man first, and He asked the man, and the man turned and blamed the woman. And then God came to the woman, and He asked the woman, and she turned, and she blamed the serpent. And God did not ask the serpent his side of the story. Instead God began with the serpent and he handed out a curse to the serpent. Now Satan had taken possession of the serpent. He spoke through the serpent. He used the serpent to address the woman and so he cursed the serpent first but then he cursed Satan and that's what we see there in verse 15 is the curse that he places on Satan. As he curse Satan, we see the promise of the coming Messiah there in Genesis 3, verse 15. And after he cursed the serpent, after he cursed Satan, he then moved to the woman. And we looked at that last week, and we learned that the curse on the woman was twofold. It affected the realm in which women live. It affected her in the area of childbearing. I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And we're reminded of that as we give birth to children and as our children grow, they, they pain us as they grow. And so we see that lived out. This area of this curse also affected the relationship she has with her husband. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. In essence there was uh, a bit of enmity put between husband and wife and that's the joys of being married. We deal with those things that are contrary. He also shared he shall rule over you. This position of leadership would already been established but it was reconfirmed here as the man's role and we talked about that last time we were together. Now this morning, we want to come and look at verses 17 through 19 in this passage. And in verses 17 through 19, we see the curse that was placed on man, the realm that was affected by man. We see in this, these verses here the cause, the curse, and the consequence. And so this morning, as we unfold this passage These are the three headings that we're going to use to kind of direct us and lead us through these verses. Now, the first thing we want to look at this morning is the cause. Look at verse 17 with me. It says, And to Adam he said... Now, as we started this study, I shared with you that Adam, Adam, is the Hebrew word for man. Prior to this uh, passage here, Every time Adam appears, it has the definite article, the, in front of it. So before this, we see the man, the man, or the Adam, the Adam, the Adam. Here at this point, we see for the first time that definite article, the, removed. And so for the first time, we see Adam's name being used here. Him being man has now taken on the name Adam in reference to him being man. Now, as God comes and he speaks to Adam, I have to put myself in Adam's shoes. How would this have been if I were Adam? Well, first of all, my name would be spelled wrong. Secondly, it would kind of be strange, wouldn't it? I mean, as God comes and hands out the curse to the serpent, if I were Adam, glad he's not talking to me. (laughs) Then he comes to Satan, glad he's not talking to me. Then he comes to the woman. (laughs) Yeah, give it to her. Give it to her. Let her have it. It's her fault. Okay, I'm the only one laughing. But wouldn't that kind of go through your mind too? Dodged another bullet. Yeah, yeah, they're in the wrong. Aren't we quick to do that sometimes when when punishment's being handed out? Yeah, you you deserve that. I did the same thing yesterday and got away with it, but you deserve it today. Because today also ends in Y. Yeah, you deserve it. You deserve it. I put myself here in Adam's shoes and I kind of wonder if that's how I would have been. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. You give it to him. But now God speaks to Adam. It says, And to Adam he said, Because, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it the reason God is giving this curse was because Adam listened to his wife now before you think hey this means I don't have to listen to my wife anymore because this was the curse this phrase that's used here means that he listened and took action He didn't just let it go in one ear and out the other. He listened to what she said, and she did, and he did what she requested. He did what she wanted him to do. He listened to the voice of his wife, and he did what she wanted him to do. And he ignored the command of God. Adam was quick to blame his wife. She made me do it. But Adam was disobedient. God commanded Adam not to partake of that fruit. And Adam did it anyway. It was a choice that Adam made. Adam basically came to a fork in the road. And his wife had already sinned against God and and rebelled against God and was disobedient. And he could have very easily said, You are standing in your rebellion, but I'm going to stand with God. We don't know what that would have looked like in the Garden of Eden if that would have happened. Because it didn't happen. Instead, he let her lead him down the wrong road and Adam chose to follow. Now we read that Eve was deceived. Eve was misled. Eve bought into the lie that Satan had told her and she was deceived. We read this in 1 Timothy 2 verse 14 Adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived And became a transgressor. Now, even though she was deceived, there were consequences for her being deceived. But it says here in this verse that Adam was not deceived. So, this lets us know that Eve didn't take the forbidden fruit and bake a pie and come and say, hey, guess what I did while you were out looking at the zoo? I baked a pie for you. And he's like, oh, honey, uh, the Schwansman man just came. I have ice cream. This is so awesome. And he partook and then went, you did what? That did not happen. He was not deceived. He took of the forbidden fruit, knowing that she had partaken of the forbidden fruit, and he also partook of the forbidden fruit. Now, some of you may say, oh, how romantic. He chose to follow her and did not choose to follow God. But it was rebellion. She rebelled. She was deceived and went the other way. He rebelled against God, and he chose his rebellion. There were consequences for Eve for being deceived, but there were consequences for Adam as well. But notice that Adam didn't receive consequences because Eve was deceived. Adam's consequences were because he chose to disobey God. Genesis 3, verse 6 says this, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate And she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. This doesn't give us the details about how this unfolded. But Adam partook of that fruit. We know that Adam ignored the voice of God. Adam, in essence, ignored the word of God. Because God had given him instruction eat of any tree you want except for one. Don't eat of that or you will surely die. Adam ignored that instruction. He should have followed God's command. Instead, he chose to do what she wanted him to do. He tried to place the blame on the woman. But you know what? He was accountable for his choice. God's command was clear. God commanded there in Genesis 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die it couldn't have been any clearer. now there are some who say well he didn't really understand the definition of die because at this point nothing had ever died that is true but he may not have fully understood the consequences But the command was very clear. There was no misunderstanding of the command. There was no misrepresentation of the command. There was no room here for I didn't know. Have you ever tried that before? I tried that with a police officer one time. (laughs) cost me a hundred bucks because he didn't really care that i was driving too fast to read the sign but i was in a seventy three ford and i was pretty impressed that sixty six miles an hour was top speed i didn't think it could do it it did it (laughs) he did not believe my excuse there was no excuse like that here for adam either the instruction was clear now i don't know about you But sometimes I want to look at Adam and I want to say, what was Adam thinking? He had everything. I mean, everything that he needed was in the garden. How could he be so foolish? But how often do we find ourselves in a similar situation? We find ourselves caving in to peer pressure. Now, I know peer pressure is something that only teenagers face until you turn 20, until you turn 30. Even at the ripe old age of 35, we still face peer pressure. Somebody telling us, you know, you don't really need to do that. And maybe they're not really saying that. But sometimes just taking a stand is scary. And I don't know if this is the time or the place for me to take a stand. Maybe I'll just keep quiet and go with the flow because everybody else is flowing. I know it's wrong, but I'm just going to flow. I'm in my kayak without a paddle. I might as well just flow. We sometimes fall into that. Saul was king over all of Israel. King. He only answered to God. And we read this in 1 Samuel 15, verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Man, that's awesome. Saul coming up with a confession. But notice his excuse for his sin. Because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Saul's the king. He was head and shoulders above everybody. He was a a large man. Why would he fear anybody? Peer pressure. Peer pressure affected the king. It was an opportunity for Saul to stand and do what God would have him to do, to be pleasing in the eyes of God. And instead, Saul caved. And you know, we face those same opportunities. We can stand for God and, and stand for what's right and, and glorify God. But you know, sometimes when it's not popular, we stand with wobbly knee and we give in. So we look at Adam and we shake our heads at Adam, but you know what? If faced with the same temptation, and when faced with the same temptation, we do the same thing. We are tempted to do the same thing. So that's the cause because he obeyed his wife, because he followed his wife rather than following God. The second thing we see is the curse. Now, remember as we look at this curse that God has already warned Adam not to eat of the tree. This curse is not related to that previous warning. Adam did not physically die immediately. Adam did not physically die immediately. He died immediately spiritually. Immediately there was enmity between Adam and God. Remember when they heard God's voice in the garden? And they hid themselves. They were afraid of God because there was enmity between them and God. So instantaneously, there was enmity. Instantaneously, they began to physically die. They began to physically decline. The first day of our birth as a child begins the process of our decline. We begin moving towards death even at moment one of our conception because of our fallen nature. And that began to happen immediately for Adam. But he remained there physically. God could have killed Adam instantaneously. He could have just wiped him out and and started all over again. He told Adam what would happen. And Adam violated the command. God could have removed him and been perfectly just at that moment. Adam deserved to die. And we have all been given that same sin nature. We are all born at enmity with God, enemies of God. And so God is just in carrying out that punishment. Sometimes critics will say, what kind of God lets people die? Our response should be, what kind of God lets people live? Because our death sentence has already been given to us. If the wages of sin is death, We already deserve to die. We don't deserve anything good from the hand of God. Why do do good people, why do bad things happen to good people? (laughs) How do you classify a good person? It is different than how God would classify a good person. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one meets God's standard. So there's no one who's good enough to receive good things. We're all fallen. We're all in the midst of depravity. So a better question to ask is not why bad things happen to good people, (laughs) but why do good things happen at all? Because we do not deserve good things. And we're lying to ourselves If we think we do. Because of the impact of sin, no one deserves anything good. This curse came in and it separated man. Now, notice verse 17 as it continues. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now, this curse is not on man. This curse is placed on the ground. Now, when we see curse here, we need to remember this is the opposite of blessed. Okay? This is the opposite of blessed. Remember how the ground was before. Vegetation sprouted. They just had to walk through and harvest. That's all they did. The ground is no longer going to produce freely and abundantly. This curse affects the man because it affects the sphere that the man lives in. For the woman, the curse was in regards to her sphere. The sphere of childbearing, the sphere of her relationship with her husband. This Sphere, this curse was going to be against the sphere that man lived in. So there you have the cause, and there you have the curse. Now let's look at the consequence of this curse. Verse 17 continues, And pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. If you have a New American Standard on your lap, it says, in toil, you will eat of it. The NIV says, painful toil. That's the idea of this. It is painful toil. And this word that's used here for pain is the same word that's used for the woman in childbearing. Not the same pain, obviously, but there's this struggle that goes on here. There's this uh, this uh, unpleasantness of working in this in 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 this area in this sphere that he's been placed in this curse affects that this would not be garden living anymore you've heard that saying toto we're not in kansas anymore adam this is not garden living anymore instead of just harvesting there would now be be painful toil. There would be a tremendous amount of work that that would be required. The ground would no longer produce freely and abundantly. The ground that was under man's care that he had to just tend before would no longer be that source of joy. It would now be a source of pain. Notice verse 17. And pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. This is man's toil. All the days of your life. He would struggle. Not for a season. Not for a few weeks. All the days of your life. Adam lived to be 930 years old. All of those years, he would be toiling in pain Working the soil. Etching out a living. You ever think sometimes when you go to work, oh, man, if I just would have paid better attention in school, (laughs) I'd have a different job. Man, if I just would have said yes instead of no, I would be somewhere else. Oh, man, if it could have... If I could change one thing in my life, this is the one thing I would change. Can you imagine Adam's mindset for 930 years? Comes home from work. Man, honey, you remember when we used to just go out and just pick mangoes? Remember those days? You didn't have to do laundry. Those were the good old days. 930 years he was reminded of his sin. Our toil should be a reminder of Adam's disobedience all the days of our lives. Verse 18 says, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You ever noticed how quickly Weeds come back. Go out there and you spray them early in the spring when it's still kind of cool and you're kind of excited about being outside. Then you get later in the season and you look at those weeds and they're back. Man, I just sprayed those like three weeks ago and they're back. It never fails. We plant Darcy some flowers for Mother's Day. The week of Vacation Bible School, we go back. There's weeds all through that flower bed. One week. I mean, you know, VBS week is kind of crazy and a lot of stuff just gets put on the side and weed pulling is one of those things. You Come back and especially those stupid growing vines. How, how are they so how do they thrive? They take over the flower bed. You don't have to plant them. I have not planted a single one of those vines in my life. And those things take over. I mean, I try to plant grass in the front yard. Things dead all the time. I got grass growing in the flower bed, man, like, like I'm putting miracle grow on them or something. Weeds do that. Weeds do that, thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. He says in verse 18, you shall eat the plants of the field. Here in a few verses, they're going to get kicked out of the garden. They're going to have to start working the field. And the field is going to be where they get their food. Remember, they're plant eaters until Genesis 9. Then they get steak. But prior to Genesis 9, they're plant eaters. He says, you're going to eat of the field. They're going to have to go out and work the field. If they want stuff to eat, they're going to have to plant it. They're going to have to prepare the soil. It's not just going to be there. Sometimes when we go to the grocery store and I'm in the cooler section, and I'm looking at those tomatoes or that lettuce or those carrots. there's no toil in there to grab those carrots. But man, I'm sure thankful for the farmer on the other side of that. True, he's driving one of those humongous tractors. But we've come a long ways in agriculture, haven't we? Remember back in the day when it was just horse and mule, growing your own, There's toil there. You may not see that toil when you're at the grocery store, but there's toil there. It says in verse 19, By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. There's going to be great effort involved in growing. Hard work is going to be required. Bread is that basic food group that's there. But it's required by the sweat of your face. I remember one time I was at my grandma and grandpa's house and they had like this long bar counter and they had these bar stools that you pulled up to the counter and I was pulled up there and I had one sun tea cup and my grandma made sweet tea too. So better than that unsweetened tea, okay? Got a can, I got a big glass of sweet tea, and I'm, I'm eating something. I don't know what it was. My grandma made it, so it had to be good. And my grandpa looks at me, and he goes, you know what? I must have been six. <laughs> he says, you eat like a farmer. Tomorrow, it's time you start working like one. What? <laughs> There'd been no sweat of the brow on my face before that day. But work began. And you know what? We can put it off, and we can put it off, but there's going to be that day when that sweat of the brow is required. And that's what happened. Verse 19 says, Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. From the dust man was created, and one day, to the dust, you will return. There's an interesting thing here, and it's interesting to me. It may not be to you, but you can ask for a refund as you leave. The Hebrew word for man is adam, Adam, A-D-A-M. The Hebrew word for ground is adamah, Adam. A H same root word out of the ground man made by dirt will come and to the dirt he will return adam formed from the adamah to the adamah adam will return i just think that's cool We are made, and our bodies are made up of nothing more than the chemicals found in dirt. That's us. We're going to toil. We're going to struggle. And it's going to be something that we're going to continue to do until we return to the dirt. 930 years, Adam struggled. Working the dirt knowing that one day he was going to turn back into dirt and be dirt again. And that was the struggle that Adam faced. Basically, death is simply the reversal of the creation process. From dirt you were formed, and from dirt you will return. That's it. So there you have it. The curse on the man. The cause of that curse, the curse itself, and the consequences of that curse. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? First and foremost, Genesis 1-1 tells us, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As we look at Genesis, and as we unfold Genesis, we are reminded that God is the creator of all things, that it all began perfectly, but sin came in and contaminated everything. As we look around us today, and we see the things that are going on, and we see And we ask the question, how can this possibly be taking place? One word, sin. It wasn't this way in the original design. But sin came into the world. And sin changed everything. As we look at this curse that was handed down to man, there's a subtle reminder here that it is better to obey God than it is to please man. It is better to obey God than it is to please man. This is a temptation. This is a struggle that we all face. We need to take it from Adam. It is better to please God than it is to please man. There are Consequences for sin. We may not see them right away, but there are consequences to sin. Sin is always so inviting, isn't it? I mean, sin rolls out the red carpet, it tells us nothing of the after effects. It just says, Woo, look at me. You've got to have one of these. And we're tempted. We've got to remember that behind the red paint job it's just a rusty old car. There are consequences to our sin. Our toil should be a reminder to us of the curse. The day-to-day struggle that we go through should be a reminder to us of the curse. But you know what? As we're reminded of the curse, it's also an opportunity for us to be reminded that there's a Redeemer. You see, the curse was placed on this earth. The curse and the effects of the curse we experience in these bodies But you know, there's going to be a day when Jesus Christ returns. There's going to be a day when our bodies turn back into dust and we are absent from the body and we're at home with the Lord. And if we've trusted Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, that is a hope that we have. If we ignore Christ and we reject Christ, that is not a hope that we have. But because of what Christ has done for us, we have an opportunity to receive the gift of salvation. We have an opportunity to receive reconciliation that we'll no longer have enmity with God, but instead we can be children of God. And it's only possible through Jesus Christ.